Good morning, Sunrise. How's everybody doing? I hope good. Let's stand up, put our hands together. Alan? Alan? Okay. Um, how's it going, Sunrise? My name is Matt Parker. I'm uh, on staff here at Sunrise. Um, just got a few announcements for you. Pretty much everything I'm going to be sharing is in the bulletin, so if you want um, to read it as we go. 
Um, we got a men's breakfast coming up next Saturday, uh, the 13th at 5, or not 5, um, 8, 8 in the morning, <laughs> not 5 in the morning, that would be, wouldn't be anybody there. Um, we have uh, the local Kiwanis Club will be distributing Easter meal baskets to uh, families in, the, in our area, so if you, uh, you know, feel led to uh, participate in that. They are doing, uh, you need to have them to P Pinnacle Bank on March 19th. Um, we are having, um, we are, they're actually having the wild game feed in Alliance again this year. Um, I thought it was going to be canceled, but it's not. So we've, we've been going to this for about four years. Um, it's a men's night out. It's, you cook a meat, you cook a wild game meal and it's a contest, and they give out tons of prizes. You pretty much get a prize if you go. Um, but except for me, I didn't win last year. Um, so that will be March 27th at 5 p.m. Um, get a get a hold of me. We're gonna try and caravan over there. And uh, so something that um, God has been talking to me about this week as I've been reading through the New Testament, and I read all these characters of, like, Peter and Paul and all these, you know, basically giants of the Bible, you know, and I sometimes I think to myself, there's, man, there's, those guys, they they had it. They, my job isn't, isn't as important as theirs, but God has just been telling me the mission in front of us is just as important as as the mission in front of them was. And I just want to say thanks for coming out to worship with us today because there's plenty of other things that you could be doing. You know, most people are hungover this morning. And so my question is, why did God get you here this morning? And I have a verse that, that God has been putting on my heart this week is Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thought, thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. I love you, Sunrise, and I'm praying for you. And here's Courtney. Jesus, um, just thank you so much for your blood. And if we choose you, Jesus, your blood makes us right in the Father's eyes. And um, I just pray for each individual here today that whatever weight they brought through that door, um, that you would be that you'd be knocking on the door of their heart, saying, "I can take that." And um, I just love you, Jesus. In your name, I pray. Amen. 
let's continue to worship sunrise. This song is based off of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me, I shall not want. He guides me in paths of righteousness. Remember, he is the one that brings restoration to our souls. We need him. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. I shall not want. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley, I shall not want. Comfort me with your grace and your mercy. morning God wants to connect with your heart and I just invite you to just give him everything surrender the week surrender your struggles surrender your, your trials that you're going through he is faithful change to
Jesus, you're still enough. Keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again. Your promise still stands. Great is your up by faith. I've seen you move the mountains. And I believe you can do it again, God. Sing it out. you're holding on to today. It might be your health. It might be your kids. It might be a, a loved one. It might be a trial. It might be a job. 
that you're carrying in here today. But I know that God is faithful and he's never failed us. And sometimes we just need to, we need to release those things to him. I would just encourage you, he knows what's going on. Still stands. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness is still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never
God, we just thank you for your uh, presence here today. We just thank you that your love never runs out, that your mercy never runs out, that it's always new, that it's always, um, it's always there for us. God, just speak to our hearts today. Help us to surrender whatever that thing is that we need to bring to you today so that we can move forward with you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning, Sunrise. It's been kind of an interesting weekend for me. This is um, Curtis Berkeley shared last night in the Saturday evening service, and Matt did announcements this morning, and so I've been able to just sit back and kind of enjoy uh, being a part of the body of Christ and watching people exercise their gifts, and I, I find that really exciting and really enjoyable. As we begin this morning, I just feel compelled to, to take a moment and uh, have a word of prayer together. As many of you know, we had an accident in our small community yesterday, and it involved a couple of young people, one of them who lost their lives and the other who was in critical condition. And it just reminds us of the uncertainty and the brevity of life. And so I just want to take a moment and as a church body, just pray for those families that are affected by that right now. Father in heaven, we're grateful that we can come to you with any care and concern on our heart. And Lord, we acknowledge yesterday the events and the accidents that occurred and, and uh, just the life that was lost, the other life that is, is holding on, uh, the families that are involved, the friends that are involved, just all parts of that. And Lord, we just cry out to you that you and your Holy Spirit would be working in power in the lives of those affected by this tragedy. Um, Father, that they would reach out to you, that you would put around them people that, that know you and love you and can bring them the comfort that comes only from the God of all comfort. Father, we pray for the one that's still in the hospital and just ask for your healing hand upon them. We pray for wisdom and guidance for the myriad of doctors and nurses and those that will be attending them over these next weeks. Um, Father, may we be faithful in being on our knees before the great healer and the great comforter on behalf of these families in our community in these days. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. So this morning in our walking through the Gospel of Luke, we come to a, a passage and a topic that probably could not be more relevant over the past months in our society and in our world. 
And I, I find it fascinating as I read through the passage we're going to look at in Luke 12 this morning. And then I, I took some time and just read through nearly all of the book of Luke. I didn't, I didn't read every single verse of every single passage, but, but the majority of it. And it amazed me when you start looking at this particular subject, how often it appears in the Gospels. You don't think about it. You don't, your mind's not really keyed into it. But when you really start focusing in on how many of the parables and how many of the narratives and, and how many of the other things really deal with this particular subject, it was a very real issue in, in New Testament times. And that issue is authority. Authority. You see, Jesus was God in human form. And he came as a baby and grew up and ministered and lived and died and rose again in a society full of authority. There was the authority of the Roman world and the Roman Caesars and the Roman armies and the cruelty that went along with that. In the specific area around Judea where he spent so much of his time in ministry, there were the Herods and, and the governors and the precepts and all of those that had been granted authority by the Romans. Within a religious community, there was the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and, and they had a measure of authority with the people as well. And Jesus had to interact with them in a proper manner. And beyond that, in, a, in the Roman world, where there was such a high percentage of the population that was slaves, there were masters and there were slaves. And what would be in, in our society very similar to, to businesses, run like the same principles as a business, but there's authority and authority structure within that. And last but not least, families. There's authority structure within a family. And Jesus worked within that authority structure within his own family. And so as we, as we come to this topic this morning, it, it's a matter of how did Jesus deal with the authority that he was under in his humanness? And how did Jesus manifest his authority in this fallen world in which God had called him to, to minister to. And so in, in Jesus' deity, we find that he teaches us how to respond to human authority. And in his humanity, he teaches us how to carry our authority in the form of servant leadership. We're going to look this morning at Luke chapter 12. I want to pray as we begin. Father God, we ask you this morning for insight from your Holy Spirit. The things that we're going to talk about are very real and in the forefront of most of our minds just because of the last 12 months in our society. And yet at the end of the day, what's most important are your principles and the things that you have put in place and the things that you call good and the things that you call proper. And so I pray that you would enable us to discern what is of you and what is of man and give us the wisdom and grace to walk in those principles that you have set down for us. And I ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'll get rid of this phone in my front pocket. All right, Luke chapter 12. I want to read verses 1 through 5 and then skip down to verses 11 and 12. 
Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And then verses 11 and 12. When you are brought before the synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. little side note, just something for you to think about and refer to as you're reading through the Gospels and, and the Old Testament as well. When, whenever you see a reference to yeast in, the, in Scripture, yeast is a type or a picture of sin. And so when it talks about the yeast of the Pharisees, it's talking about those things in which they exhibited sin or rebellion against God. The unleavened bread that the Old Testament, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, they took the leaven out of the bread, and it was a, a symbolic of removing the sin from their lives so that they could celebrate that feast. So whenever you see yeast, it's a picture of the action and the nature and the evils of sin. So as you're reading through, that's just something, something to note. All right, so the first thing that Jesus does in this structure of authority is he introduces us and wants us to be aware of the ultimate authority. The ultimate authority. Don't be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But who should you fear? Fear him who after the body has been killed has authority to throw you into hell. There are two means of authority. There's an ultimate authority and that ultimate authority belongs to God himself. He's an authority not over, not only of us before we are born throughout our human life, but he determines how we will spend eternity. His, his authority over us is complete from the time we were conceived through all eternity. He's the ultimate authority. One of the things that I, I think we struggle with in, in modern-day America is that we have never lived under or had any familiarity with what it means to live in a monarchy, a monarchy in which there is a king, and the king ultimately has the final say. If the king doesn't like you, the king can say, put him to death. Nobody ask a question because the king has authority to do that. And, and we have always, throughout our lifetimes, lived in a democracy in which it's majority rule, and we have a representation, and, and we have the right to speak our mind, and we have a right to do all these other things. And so this, this idea of a monarchy, we, we just it's hard for us because we've never experienced that. And yet in reality, the ultimate authority, God, it's a, it's a theocracy. It's a, God is the ultimate authority. And Jesus says, you need to fear him most because he's the one that can not only control and have effect on this life, but in the life to come, in eternity. The other side of that is I want you to notice, fear him who can send you to hell but notice the two verses after that, the tenderness of this ultimate authority. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? This is verse 6 and 7. 
yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than the sparrows. So in the context of this ultimate authority that has control over your soul and control over your eternity is the tenderness of this same authority in that he knows and understands and sees your life as significant. And he loves you and he cares for you and he does what is necessary for your life on this earth to be lived in his blessing and also for your eternity to be spent in his presence the fear and tenderness. There's a psalm, um, I think it's 130th psalm, that talks about, with you, God, there is mercy, therefore you are feared. The ultimate authority. And then within the human realm, there is what is called delegated authority. And delegated authority is this, that, that the ultimate authority grants authority or bestows authority on some other group or entity to act on their behalf and move on their behalf. Delegated means that the authority that is granted or whatever permission is granted is given to that party to function. When I was in the bank, I've used this illustration before, but I had a delegated loan authority. And that meant that the people that owned the money in the bank gave me permission to up to a certain dollar amount I could make a loan to somebody. They had to qualify and all those things that goes along with it. But I had delegated authority to make a decision up to that dollar amount to, as to whether or not to do a loan. The ultimate authority, the owners of the bank, delegated that authority to me. And in, within human authority, God has established five different human authority structures. Things that are, are specific jurisdictions. That's a big legal word. But a jurisdiction is a realm within which you are given power and authority to govern. And that's the limits within which that authority may be exercised. It's understood in the context of our society. Nearly everything that, that we function and the rules that we follow all have to do with jurisdictions. If we have a, a problem with legalities out here in this building, we would call the sheriff's department because it's in the county. If we were in a building in the city, we would call the police department because it's in the city. It's within their jurisdiction. And we have that within the county and the city and the state and the federal government. Different jurisdictions. And many times when you have a, a complicated issue or a crime that, that crosses state lines or, or is complicated, the first thing that they have to do is sit down and decide whose jurisdiction is this in? Under whose authority does this fall? And once that's established, then they can begin to do the things that they need to do. Romans 13.1 tells us about these human authorities. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment upon themselves. And so what I want us to look at this morning, and, and for us to understand, is that these are divinely delegated human authorities. This has nothing to do with the Constitution or the state statutes or the what. These are human institutions that God 
has established, God has empowered, and God has put in place to accomplish leadership within the human world. And it's really interesting to me. I, I've, I've, I've spent quite a bit of time studying these because it, it just fascinates me, which tells you some about my personality, I guess. But also, I, it, this week it was interesting to me that all of these are present in the Gospels. Within Jesus interacting with these authorities, with Jesus acknowledging these authorities, within the context of the parables, it talks about these different areas of authority. So they're present. And, and Jesus addressed every single one in his teaching and his interaction. So let's take a few minutes and look at these five divinely established human authorities or jurisdictions. The first one is religious, religious authority. And the God-given purpose and jurisdiction and scope of religious authority is to promote and to oversee God's spiritual intervention in this world. That's the purpose, God-given purpose. Not granted by man, not granted by human government, it's God's granted delegated authority. In the Old Testament, that was the law. That was the Jewish community. That was the religious leaders. The law was given to Moses. That law was, that was God's intervention into the world at that time, his chosen people. The message, the, the prophecies that began to point towards the coming of the Messiah, that was God's religious institution prior to the coming of Jesus Christ. And God gave them permission and authority and a structure within which to function. If you had an issue, you went to the priest or you went to the temple or you celebrated the festivals, or you took part in the celebrations. It was all part of the divinely established jurisdiction of God's intervention into this world. Jesus talks about this jurisdiction. Luke chapter 11, verse 52, talking to the Pharisees, "'Woe to you experts in the law, "'because you have taken away the key to knowledge.'" You yourselves have entered, and you have hindered those who were entering. What was the issue? Pharisees, Sadducees, leaders, you have been granted this authority and this responsibility to present the message of God in the way God intends to this society that God has sent you to, and you've withheld that. You haven't exercised your authority as God intended for you to do. And then over in Luke chapter 20, verses 1 and 2, a conversation that Jesus has with the Pharisees. One day as Jesus was teaching in the, the people in the temple courts and proclaiming the good news, the chief priests and teachers of the law together with the elders came up to him. Tell us by what authority you are doing these things. Who gave you this authority? The Pharisees themselves acknowledged that they had authority given to them by God. And since Jesus was teaching and the people were coming to him and listening to him and, and making changes in their lives because of his ministry and testimony, that he had authority in some manner. And they wanted to know where that authority came from. Because God had granted the leaders under the law that authority. After Jesus came and died and rose again, we entered a new stage of divinely granted religious authority. And that's the church. The church now has the mantle of authority that was originally part and given to the law. 
in Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 20. This is the context of the 72 disciples that Jesus sent out, the beginning of, of this earthly ministry um, in, the, in the church. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heavens. I, give you, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So in the context of the church, we see Jesus beginning to transfer this jurisdiction over to the church. We see the apostles performing miracles as they went out. We see speaking in tongues in the book of Acts. There was a transferring of this jurisdiction of religion and who was responsible for that in society. One other passage I want to read for you in Second in First Peter chapter two verse nine. It says, "But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy." That's a picture of the mantle of authority and leadership that God has bestowed upon his church. Once you were not a people, but now you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's the area of jurisdiction and authority that God now has granted to the church that in the Old Testament was carried by the law and the Jewish leaders. The second level of human authority that God has ordained is that of civil authority, of civil authority. Luke chapter 20, verses 22 through 25. Very familiar passage. How did Jesus interact with this particular level of human authority? Here. You remember the story? They asked Jesus, is it right for us to pay taxes? Verse 22, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? He saw their duplicity and said to them, show me a denarius, whose image and inscription are on it? Caesar's, they replied. He said to them, then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Jesus made a distinction. Taxes and the authority of the government are an established realm of jurisdiction within God's delegated authority on this earth. And it's appropriate to acknowledge that and to honor that and to walk within that. And I, I find it fascinating that Jesus himself was the ultimate authority. I mean, he was above all of these human authorities, and yet he chose in his humanity to walk within the realm and to recognize this human authority. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 15. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. So when somebody called on Jesus to make a judgment on an earthly decision, even though Jesus was the ultimate authority, he deferred that and said, 
Who appointed me to be that position, to that position? You have judges and those within the realms of civil authority that God has placed there, that God has put there to make those decisions and act on your behalf. 1 Peter chapter 2, continuing on from the passage we just read, verses 13 through 15. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to command those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the talk of foolish people. Human government, human authority. Their authority is not theirs because of the Constitution or a law or an edict from a higher power. It's granted by God. That's the source of their authority. The third jurisdiction that we find in Scripture is the one of the family. The family, that's a God-given human authority structure. And the purpose of that authority is the raising and caring and education of children. It's the cornerstone of society. It's the structure in which God has put in place in order for the next generation to be nurtured and cared for and educated. How is that mentioned in the New Testament in the Gospels? Probably you've never thought about this before, but think of the story of the prodigal son. The younger son that came to the father and said, even though you haven't died yet, even though it's not my right to have, I'd like my inheritance, and the father gave it to him. And he went away and squandered it, and then he came to his senses and he came back, and the father's response was, he forgave him, he embraced him, he brought him back into the family, and remember the older son's response, Dad, what are you doing? I've been here all along, and he's went off and made bad decisions, and now you embrace him. Think about the authority structure within that parable. There's no question that those decisions and what that father did were within his area of authority. It was his family. It was his kids. He had the God-given authority, the mantle of authority, to make those decisions even though they were contrary to what society's expectations were. And so within the course of the family, God puts the husband and the wife and gives them the responsibility of caring for the family. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it talks about the importance for the, for, the, for the family to educate the children and talk to your kids, tell them about what God has done while you're sitting down, while you're walking, while you're doing this, while you're doing that, educating and bringing along the next generation. That's the God-given authority within the family. The next authority structure that we see is a little different in the context of the society that Jesus came into, but the principles are the same. And that's the jurisdiction of business or enterprise. And within that authority, God gives permission and jurisdiction to those that own and run a business to run that in a way that they choose. They can set up the corporate structure. They can determine what the salaries are. They can determine the benefits that the employees get. All of those things are within their jurisdiction. And we see pictures of that type of principle within the context of Jesus' time in the parables that talk about masters and slaves or masters and servants. It's the same type of relationship. The only one thing is servitude. The other is voluntary service. But the principle is the same. 
Luke chapter two, uh, 12, verses 42 through 48. Who then is, faith, is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food alliance at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing when he returns. Truly I tell you who have put him in charge of all his possessions, but suppose a servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming, and he then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and to drink and to get drunk. The master of that servant will come on that day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him into pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. Notice the authority structure within that passage. The master has the right and the authority to entrust his business dealings, his the decisions, the ongoing business of the day to someone else while he leaves for a period of time. And the expectation is that that manager will act in the best interest of the owner while he's gone and do things in a way that, that would, the owner would expect. And at the end of the passage, when that manager is not faithful and not consistent, that master has the authority to do what he deems best for that manager that didn't properly carry out his duties. That's the jurisdiction of business, and that's the way a business works. When I work for someone, when I worked for the bank, they had control over my time and the things that I did and the decisions that I made. Proper jurisdiction, not granted by a corporate document, but granted by God as a, port, as a part of human authority. And then the last part of human, of human authority that we often don't think about but nonetheless is a part of God's granted or delegated authority is on a personal level. On a personal level. How many of the decisions do I make on a daily basis that have to do just with me that God grants me authority or jurisdiction to make those decisions? A personal, it's called personal responsibility. And it's a God-given authority structure over one person myself. Think about the Sermon on the Mount and all the things that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 5 through 7 that have to do with personal responsibility, things within your power, decisions that, that you can make for yourself, the Beatitudes, the poor in spirit, the mourn, the, those that comfort, the meek, personal choices, personal jurisdiction. Be salt and light, don't murder. Don't hate your brother. Don't commit adultery. Don't think lustfully. Don't take oaths. Love your enemies. Give to the needy. Prayer. Fasting. Store up treasures in heaven, not treasures on earth. Do not worry. Don't judge others. Personal responsibility. It's a jurisdiction that's given by God, and, and that's the expectation. The, the decisions that I make, the behaviors that I do, the words that I speak, the actions that, I make, that, I, that God enables me to make because of giving me free will, I am held responsible by God because he's delegated that authority to me, to those things that he puts within the realm of my control. Five areas. Those are not dependent on any document of man that they exist. They exist because of this document and the edict from the 
ultimate authority, God, that has granted them or delegated them authority within the world in which we live. So what's the message? What does Jesus want us to know about these authority structures within our world? First of all, to acknowledge and recognize that the ultimate authority is God. The ultimate authority is God. How many times as a, as a child, if you had a sibling, and then you and the sibling were wrestling or were talking back and forth or were having an argument, and one says to the other, you're not the boss of me. Remember those conversations? Yep, yep, okay. In terms of our relationship with God, we don't ever get to say that. God is the ultimate authority. He's sovereign. He gets to make the rules because he is God. And at the very heart of understanding the authority structure that God has put in our world, we have to understand that that's where it begins. It begins with God's ultimate authority. And everything that we experience on the human level is authority that he has delegated to these four institutions and one as an individual. Number two, all human authority is delegated, granted by God, and response to that authority reveals a response to the ultimate authority. Response to earthly authorities reveals a response to the ultimate authority. Luke chapter 11, verse 52. Okay. Nope, I have a missed verse in there. Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let me go back to that verse again. So let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, no authority except which God has established. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Let me talk to you for a minute with a little personal reflection. You know, I like to think that my interaction with human authority, that I do a decent job of that. But let me give you an example. It takes all this within me when I get on the road between here and Cheyenne to not set the speedometer at 73. It, it just, it's just a battle. You know, and, and a lot of times, most of the time, it's not because I'm in a hurry. It's just that I, I want to push the limits of what I know the expectations are and the rules that go out there. And so I think to myself, well, that's okay. That's just a little thing. But you know what the reality is? That little simple thing there towards an earthly authority is indication of a bigger problem at the heart level that has to do with the way that I view God's authority. And so what does it say? It's about pushing the limits. It's about pushing the limits. And when I'm honest with myself, I do the same thing with my time. I know that I have physical limitations. I know that I need so much sleep. But what do I do? I push the limits of what I know are best and right and proper for me. It indicates a heart level. Think about all the other things. You know, I know that, that what I put into my body is important. And so I know that there's a certain level of, of eating that I have to. And I know that I, I don't want to be a glutton. I don't want to 
you know, get out here into abject gluttony. And so what do I do? Do I stay within the realm of what I, I know is best and proper? Or do I push the limits just a little, just a little beyond what I know is best or what I should eat or what I should take into my body? And so this thing as simple as a speed limit, all of a sudden when I begin to look at these other things and the way I respond to other factors in my life, I think if most of us were honest that are believers this morning, our standard is I'd like to live pretty much holy. Pretty much holy. You know, just, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be perfect, and so pretty much is okay. And so when I'm honest with myself, the reality is the way that I function and respond to earthly authority really does point to the way that I see the ultimate authority in my relationship with Him. Number three, all human authority is fallen and flawed, but responsibility to, but responsible to God. Responsible to God. Delegated authority means that authority has to answer to the ultimate authority for their responses and their decisions and their behaviors. I don't find any place in Scripture that makes a provision for ungodly leadership, that it gives us a, a get-out-of-jail-free card, so to speak, just because the authorities are making decisions that are ungodly. The taxation system within the Roman Empire was corrupted and wrong. And yet Jesus said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. He acknowledged that authority, even though corrupt. Think of the cruelty within the Roman Empire. The iron hand with which they ruled. And yet Jesus lived and functioned within that as a reality of human authority, even though he could have overthrown that with a word from his mouth. Yet he chose to acknowledge it. What about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the leaders of the law that God had granted divine jurisdiction during that time prior to Jesus' death and resurrection? Jesus worked within the framework of that. What did he say? I did not come to abolish the law, but rather to fulfill it. He acknowledged and he worked within that, even though it was corrupt and the Pharisees were leading astray the children of God. What happens in society in which we find conflicting laws, laws that a, a governing authority makes that are in contrast or, or stand against the standards of God? We have to defer to the higher authority. There are laws on the books within our country that are absolutely against the principles of God. Think of the, the laws concerning marriage. God is very simple. For, for in God's eyes, He created Adam, He created Eve, a man, a woman. That constitutes marriage. We have laws contrary to that. What laws do we follow? We follow the laws of God. What about the taking of another life? Laws on the books that allows that to happen in terms of an unborn child. As children of God, what do we follow? We follow the principles of Scripture that said, you knew me in my mother's womb. When there's a conflict between the human authority and the ultimate authority, we defer to the words of the ultimate authority. The fourth thing, exercising authority outside of the divinely established jurisdictions never achieves positive results. Never. Not because of the Constitution, not because of the laws on the land, not because not because these are divinely established. They're established by God. 
Think for a moment. What happens when a family or the family delegates to the government or a civil authority the education and development and teaching of the children? Does that result in the benefit of the child? No, it does not. What happens when the church, the religious institutions that God has put in place, becomes involved in civil, in the governmental process? In 300 AD, Constantine, the Roman Caesar at that time, made Christianity the official religion of Rome. You think, wow, what an awesome thing. No, because the corruption of the government became corruption within the church because that was two jurisdictions that God had established that had come together and one was taking part in something that God had ordained for something else. Think throughout history, the Crusades and the Dark Ages. Those were all religious battles. Thousands and thousands and thousands of lives that were lost because the church and government became melded in their jurisdictions, and that's not what God intended. He wants the church to be the church and the civil government to be the government. One other thing that we don't like to think about, but it's a reality. When you look through the book of Acts, think about the verse in James 127 that we talked about last week. Whose responsibility is it, whose jurisdiction is it to care for the poor and the outcast of society? It's the church. It's the church. Do you realize the first group of leaders that was established within the church other than apostles was the group of men that included Stephen, the first martyr, and what was their responsibility was to oversee the feeding and taking care of the widows within the community. That was their responsibility. James 127, what is true religion that God considers faultless and right? To look after widows and orphans in their need and keep oneself undefiled by this world. That's the church's responsibility. And yet we have delegated or we have allowed the government to take that over. Would you say that's been successful? No, not at all. Why is it because of the laws of the land or the way it's admitted? No, because it's a God-given jurisdiction that God's given to the church and we've delegated or allowed the civil government to take place. What happens when you mix business and family? When, when families get into business together? It's difficult. It requires more organization and more communication because you've got two different jurisdictions that are crossing lines. The last 12 months, think about the news every single day. What happens when the civil authority crosses over and begins to make decisions that are delegated and relegated to business? We think, oh, it's a constitutional... No, it's not. It's a God-given jurisdiction. That's what makes it so uncomfortable and so uneasy and so difficult to navigate. These are principles of God that he's put down for human institutions. So how do we function with that? We have to do like Jesus did. He acknowledged it. He walked within it. He knew the corruption of it. He knew the difficulty of it. He knew the places it was out of line. And yet, in his humanity, he chose to acknowledge it because God, his Father, had put it in place. And that's where we need to be. And then the last thing that I want to talk on the other side of the spectrum. 
is that whenever we're put in a position of authority, we need to exercise that authority in the same way that Jesus models, and that's servant leadership. Matthew 20, 28 tells us that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He was God. He was the ultimate authority. And yet, as he came in his humanity, he laid that deity aside, and he served, and he walked, and he ministered, and he died for those around him. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and 8, 5 through 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The exercise of human authority as granted by God needs to be in the manner that Jesus walked on this earth in his humanity. As serving and sacrificing for those that God has put in our midst. Beyond all this, we have to keep in mind that all human authority is temporal. It's temporary. It's going to pass away. It's not going to be here forever. Within the context of our, of our society, there's every two years we have a change in, in government and leadership and all those things. But even then, it's still temporary. And ultimately, we have to remember and we have to acknowledge that our citizenship is not in this world. It's not. In many, in the most profound sense of the word, we are aliens and strangers. That's a word we hear a lot, don't we? Philippians chapter 3, verses 15 and following. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too, that, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you have us as a model. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with many tears, many lie, live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So the message from Jesus is to live and to function within the authority structures that God has put in place. And as we're granted authority within the family, within the community, within whatever the case may be, to recognize that that's servant leadership. That's laying down the rights are ours. It's not demanding that others follow. It's following having them follow because we lead by example. That's what Jesus did. And then the last thing that I want us to close with tonight, tonight, today, or check, see how long I've talked, <clears throat> is that 
Since God is the ultimate authority, we must remember and recognize that we cannot put our trust in human authorities. Just as human authorities only have authority within this life. Jesus, we started with that verse, don't be afraid of him that can take your life but can't touch your soul. That's the case with human authority. What's the worst thing that human authority can do to you? They can put you to death. That's it. Have no control over your eternity, no control over anything that happens to them. That's it. That's the full scope. And so all human authority is temporal, and we cannot put our trust in that. We have to put our trust in the ultimate authority who can meet the deepest needs of our soul. Because if we put our trust in human authority, we're going to be disappointed. And, and the thing that, as I read this passage in Luke over and over again, the, the, the contrast between fear the one that can send your soul to hell and the next verse, you are more important than a sparrow and God notices even death. Do you see the awesomeness of the authority and the tenderness of his heart? What an incredible picture of what authority should be. And this morning, if you're in this realm and, and you've been trusting human authority and you're disappointed and you're disillusioned, the answer is look to the ultimate authority. Look to the provision that he has made, not only for this life, but for your soul. And pour out your heart to him. God, I need you. I acknowledge your authority in my life. I acknowledge that I've fallen short of your standards. I accept the blood of Jesus and the forgiveness that comes with that and the righteousness that is mine because of the righteousness of Christ. May I live under your authority. May I trust you to meet all my needs both in this life and in the life to come. You are my authority. I put my trust in you. Let's pray. Father God, it's amazing how you direct our thoughts to the place that you want for each week as we come together. And Father, over these past months, we have wrestled with these things. We have wrestled with the, the corruption and the wrongness and the rights and all the things that go along with it under human government. And yet, Father, the hope has to be in you, the ultimate authority. And I pray that you would put your finger on those areas of our life in which we have put our trust in human authority and we have removed that trust from you, the ultimate authority. Father, we, may we be found faithful in looking beyond the human institutions to you who are eternal and adequate and loving and merciful. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Romans 8.28 says that we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Those whom he predestined, he also called. Those who he called, he justified. Those who he justified, he glorified. He will carry us through. Let's sing this last song, Sunrise.
fountain where I am, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my son, and the king of my life, be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my son, cause you are see what God's going to do. Um, don't forget, if we've got some things moving on the building, and if, if you have skills, there's a sheet that you can kind of say, hey, I'm, I, I'd like to serve in this area. We're getting bids coming in, so just be praying about um, that whole process, and, uh, and tune in on Tuesday morning. Uh, Brent and I are going to kind of discuss what uh, the sermon was about today, and I'm excited about that, so if you're on Facebook, it'd be awesome to, to see you there on Tuesday. So let's, uh, you're dismissed. Let's sing as we go today. You are good. And you are good. good oh, you are good.